There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled it long ago, long ago. settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago, when in that happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption's story, and praise him for his love, I'll not forget that book, with pages white as snow, because I came and settled, and settled it long ago, long ago, down on my knees, long ago, I settled it all, yes, the old account was settled long ago, Hallelujah. and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. grateful to have Brother Jerry Savinsky. I grew up listening to Brother Jerry come here and preach, and uh, looking forward to all of y'all getting to hear him preach, and hopefully the Lord will have his hand on the messages. I know he will, and there'll be a challenge for us and an opportunity for us to grow in the Lord. Brother Jerry, if you don't mind coming forward. First of all, good morning. Good to come back here and be with you all. I left the Sunday South yesterday got quite a cold reception out here in Oklahoma, <laughs> but that's okay. We, I know y'all need the rain, and uh, we sure need the rain in South Carolina as well. Oh, oh, oh excuse me, congregation. <laughs> First mistake I've made all year. Don't believe that, I'll tell you that. All right, boys and girls will be removed this, leave this time as well. Okay. Um, my wife, Sharon, uh, usually travels with me, but um, her mother uh, has uh, been in a nursing home for 
five or six years, and um, she just passed away at a hundred and five years of age. A most wonderful, godly mother-in-law you could ever imagine. Uh, she and I never had uh, one uh, harsh word with each other. Just a, a wonderful, godly mother-in-law. And uh, very small, eat. Um, I think about four, maybe four eight, is what she how tall she was, and weighed about uh, seventy five pounds. <clears throat> and um, when she was able, she lived by herself, not too far from us, and she was having problem getting the food out uh, and the things out of the top uh, shelves of her house. And so I said, "Mom, I've got a, a way we can fix that for you." And she said, what's that, Jerry? I said, well, Mama, I'm going to put a little pulley in the ceiling. I'm going to put a rope around it with a loose on it. And, Mom, what you can do is you can put the rope around your, your neck and then take the other rope and pull yourself up. And she looked at me and went, Jerry, you know. But wonderful mother-in-law and uh, godly example to our children and we greatly miss her. But we made, we made it a priority. Our priority was to take care of our mothers. We took care of my mother, and she passed, and then we took care of uh, Sharon's mother as well. And that's why uh, she's not with me. But it's been a blessing to uh, always come back here, and I trust what I give you from the Word of God will be a, a real help to your lives. Take your Bible now and go to Luke chapter 23, if you will, please. When you find Luke 23, I want to talk with you just briefly about something. <clears throat> I was raised back in the hills of West Virginia. My father was a coal miner uh, for 40-some years. My dad worked a half a mile down and nine miles hills of West Virginia. And um, my father had the ability to sense when the coal mine was going to cave in. And uh, they said, when you see Mike Savinsky run, you better run. Because he knew there would be a fall. Enough. Uh, one time there's a great fall. Several men were buried. And my father uh, was the one who rushed in there, dug those men out, and, well, they, they did not die. And I'll never forget one time I was home in, in West Virginia with my parents, and this man walks up to me, puts his arm around my father, and the man said to me, he said, I want you to realize something. Your father saved my life. Went for your dad. I'd be a dead man. Tears flowing down his face as he expressed his great love to my dad. You know, he was grateful because my father saved his life. Well, today I want to show you from the Bible a most moving scene of two men who are dying and carry on a most unusual conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. So look at Luke 23, please. Verse 39. 
through 43. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If that be Christ, said the self on us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Not to fear God, seeing thou in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the dear reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest unto thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Our Heavenly Father, we pray today the Spirit of God will aid us to make known the power of our Savior and what it could do. If anyone does not know you, Lord, make their heart see the great, intense love you have for them. And then, Father, stir the hearts of God's people who may know loved ones without Christ that they're so concerned about and friends. And may it be a means of them being used of you to reach them for Christ. We ask in Christ's name, amen. When a person was crucified, it was a very terrible death. What they would do is they would have a large cross, and they would stretch the man's arms out, and then they would take a, a nail, a large nail, and they'd drive that spike in. And then they'd stretch the other arm out and take the large spike and then they would drive with the other hand to the cross. Then they would cross the legs, and they would drive another huge spike through both legs into the cross. They had a large hole already dug. And then the soldiers, apparently with a rope around the top, began to guide and lift up that huge cross. And as the cross became upright, it suddenly fell in that deep hole. And when it did, every joint was out of place. It was a terrible way of dying. And yet, as these men are crucified, and Christ as well, in the middle cross, we find usual conversation. And the reason I think it's so significant is because we see two men both looking and talking to Jesus Christ with a whole different perspective toward Christ. First of all, I want you to see the first thief. And I would, I would refer to him as the rebellious thief because of what he said. Look at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which are hanged railed on him. Now stop right there and look at me, please. The word means to mock, to harass, to criticize. And the word of God says, this man looked at Christ in scorn and he railed on Christ. You know, have you ever thought today how many people rail upon Christ? They use his name. In profanity, 
and they say Jesus Christ as a curse word. Have you ever thought, why didn't they choose Al Capone or Adolf Hitler or some other ungodly man? Why Jesus Christ? Because I believe the devil's put a hatred in the heart of mankind like this man where they rail upon Christ. But second of all, look back at verse 39. And one of the manufacturers which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, said thou self on us. Now look here. One word, second of all, shows you this man's life was also one of unbelief. The one word he said, if. You see, this man had no confidence in Jesus Christ. You know, the day, there's a black shroud across the heart and minds of most people. They look at Christ in unbelief. And they say, Christ was a good man, but that's all he was, just a good man. There's this unbelief. They have no confidence in him at all. Many years ago, I was working in Denver, Colorado when I was in college with another Christian young man, and we worked on a construction crew building the largest grain elevator in Denver, Colorado. And my good friend was Bob Sweet. And Bob and I went to school together, and we got this job out there. I got the job many because of him. And so we're working uh, uh, and these tanks, by the way, were 130 feet deep and huge tanks, grain tanks. And so one day we had, a, we had a machine where we could lower a man down in the tank. We put a harness around him, and then we would lower him, and then to pull him out, we would take him out by pulling the, the crank and getting him out. Well, one day someone took uh, the, the machine away. And Bob was down there in the bottom. And so another young man who was a, a phenomenal gymnast. I mean, this guy was absolutely just all power, power, a powerful young man. So he and I were on the top of the tank, and I screamed down, and I said, Hey, Bob, I said, um, we're going to throw a rope down to you and put the rope around your body and under your arms, and we're going to pull you out. And my good friend Bob said to me these exact words. He said, no, Jerry, I will climb out myself. I said, Bob, you cannot do it. He said, oh, yes, I can. I said, no, you can't. But I could not convince him, neither the other young man. And so Bob began to climb that rope. Rope was around that big around. He began to climb the rope. All of a sudden, he got near the top. We saw this helmet. Then pretty soon he got close enough where this outstanding gymnast heard Bob scream. And Bob said, I can't go any farther. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. He's screaming. Now don't forget that gymnast. He grabbed Bob by the arm. Bob grabbed him by the arm. 
with all of his might, he's trying to hold on to Bob, and I saw the arms as they began to separate, and my good friend fell all the way down in that tank and almost was killed that day. You know why? He had no confidence in us. Just like today, people have no confidence in Christ. And they think, I can go there by climbing the rope of, of catechisms and being a, a good person or getting baptized. And yet no one can reach heaven that way. And this man, this man was a man who railed on Christ, a man full of unbelief. But third of all, he was a doomed man. You know, they would stay on the cross for several hours. And then what they would do was this. They would take a club, the soldiers would. They'd walk up to the thief on the cross. They would break their legs. Well, they could not hold their body weight. And therefore, they could not breathe. And they would die. If you're unsaved today, my friend, I'm going to say to you, you're tied to this flesh. You're in the process of dying. 2 Samuel 14, 14, for we must all, we must all, by all means, die. Job 30, 23, for I know that thou would bring me to death. Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. So my friend here, this man, this man died. And if he could come back from the flames of hell this morning and stand on this platform, he would say, I was by the side of Jesus Christ. I'm the one who railed on him. I'm the one that was so full of unbelief. And now I'm a doomed man. For all eternity, I'm lost. I'm lost. This man was a man who looked at Christ with that view. However, the other man, I would refer to him as the repentant thief. Would you look at me now, if you will, at the next verse, at verse 40? But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing that thou are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Now look here, please. Now this is shocking. What I must say, first of all, it's shocking, and yet it's true. This thief was a man of honesty. Let me tell you something. It's rare for a thief to be honest. You know, I cut my teeth preaching in South Carolina and North Carolina in chain gangs and prisons. That's when I began to preach. 
And I'll never forget, when I'd get through preaching, I'd go up to a, a guy, and I'd say, sir, why are you in here? And the guy looked at me, and I'm telling you right now, he said, Jerry, I did not do it. I was framed. I did not do it. And tears just are flowing. You know what? They're con artists. They could convince their mother they didn't do it. It was unusual one day I walked into a jail in South Carolina. And man, I walked up to him and I said to him, I said, Sir, why are you in here? And the man did this. He grabbed the bars and looked me through the bars. He said, he said, listen, I killed my wife, and then I killed my mother-in-law, and I desire to rot in this prison. He was a man of honesty. And this man in Luke 23 was a man of honesty. He said, we've been thieves all of our lives. We are getting what we deserve. Before God could ever save you, you've got to realize you've sinned against the Holy God, sir. Hey, lady or teenager, you've got to realize you've sinned against God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And you've got to be honest. But look back, if you will, please, at the next verse. In verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, I'll stop right there. One word shows you another profound thing about this repentant thief. A man of honesty. Number two, a man of perception. He said, Lord. You know what this man was saying in reality? He's saying, I know who you are. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. Lord, remember me. He was a man of perception. You know what? It's heartbreaking, this light, flippant attitude of people who don't realize who Christ is. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ was literally God in the flesh. How do I know that? The Bible says so. In John 10.30, Christ said, I and my Father are one. In John 14, 9, Christ said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Colossians 3, 15 says of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. Christ was the visible expression of the invisible God. And this man was a man of perception. He recognized this was deity. And if God saves you, you've got to realize that Christ was God's son who came to die for one kind of people, sinners. And this man was a man of perception. But third of all, look back at verse 42. He said, Lord, remember me. 
Now, that's very powerful right there. I'll tell you why. Because he was a man of humility. We don't know how many people were there at the scene of the crucifixion, but there's no doubt a huge crowd. And this man in front of all the people, he's crying out to Christ. And he says, Lord, remember me. He's asking for Christ to save him. A man of humility. I'm not embarrassed to tell you the night I got saved in West Virginia. I knelt on my knees like this. I bowed my head. I prayed. I asked Christ, save me, Christ. And he saved me. I called upon him. And this man, in essence, he can't get off the cross. He can't kneel. He says, though, Lord, remember me. He humbled himself in front of the huge crowd. And when he did, look at the next verse, please, because this is so powerful. In verse 43, and Jesus said unto them, is that correct? No, no, no. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now look here, here's a tremendous truth. The Bible says, And Jesus said unto him. Now weren't there two thieves there? Yes. Did Christ love both of those thieves? Yes. But here's the great truth. Christ will never, ever force himself upon you. If you rail on him, full of unbelief, and reject him, Christ will never force himself upon you. But when you, as an individual, are honest and realize you have sinned against the Holy God. And you recognize this is deity. This is God's Son who died for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 2. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And then you call upon Him. What does the word of God say he'll do to you? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this man said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, Truly I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And that man died as well. But he went to be with the Lord. And I'm grateful today I can stand here and tell you that Christ would have saved the other man, but he'll never save anyone until they realize who he is and humble themselves and call upon him to save them. Let's bow our heads and pray, please. I'm going to have them play a song pretty soon. Before they play the song of Just As I Am. <clears throat> I don't want you raising your hands or anything, but I'm going to ask you a question. You said, Jerry, 
I, I have looked at Jesus Christ today through the scriptures. And I'll be honest with, with my Lord. I know that I have sinned. And I recognize that Christ died for my sins. I've never, I've never asked Christ to save me. Now look. My friend, you have realized this decision you make is for all eternity. And as this man called upon the Lord, he saved him immediately, and he did the same for you. You said, Jerry, I do not know what to do to be saved, but I'd like to know how Christ can save me. As he starts playing the song right now, their heads bowed, and their eyes are closed as Christians are praying. Would you say, include me in that prayer? I need to be saved. I do not know Christ as my Savior. Would you voice that by the raised hand? <clears throat> then put it back down. I can't force you to raise it. I'm not trying to trick you in the raising. But if you want to raise it, would you raise it right now? And now, Christians, may I speak to you for a second. I pray God to use you this week to invite friends you know to come to these meetings. Point them to our blessed Savior so they can know when they pass from this world, they can know they're going to heaven. Now, dear Father God, by your Holy Spirit, as we give the invitation, we ask in Christ's name, amen. Okay, would you all look this way, please, now? We're going to stand a moment. We're going to sing the first stanza of Just As I Am. You all know that. You don't need song books. And um, I'd like to challenge you to step out where you are. If you want to be saved and come to the pastor and say, Pastor, I'd like to be saved. Let someone take the word of God, take you to the side room and show you how Christ can save you. If there's a Christian here, it's a real spiritual need in your life and God has spoken to your life. You come and voice that to your pastor. Let someone go and pray with you as well. Let's all stand right now. Let's sing our song, Just As I Am, Good and Loud, please. With well, their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'll have her play one more stanza. If you're shy, just say, Lord, help me. I need to be saved. I know I need Christ. He'll help you if you want to come to Him. Okay, would you all look this way? Grateful you this morning, and I do pray you have a good day. I'd like to encourage you to spend some time praying this afternoon because the message tonight is a message really geared for God's people. 
We want, we want, we want the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and, and stir the inner man, the spiritual man. And so, uh, congregation, do pray for the Lord to, to lead this night in the service. I pray you'll have a good day and pray you'll come back tonight and invite friends you know. If anybody would like to talk with me at the close of the service, I'm available. I cannot come to you, but you can come to me, and I'd be thrilled to take the Bible and point you to Christ if you need to be saved. Okay, Pastor. Amen. Definitely encourage you guys to come back and join us each night of the revival services this week. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the salvation that you've given us. Lord, we have these two men, one rejected, the other received. One reviled you, the other repented, Lord. And I pray that uh, we would be eternally grateful for the, for the gift of our salvation. Just like those men on the cross, we didn't deserve it. We weren't worthy of it, Lord, but it was an amazing gift. And I pray that you will be working in our hearts this afternoon to prepare us for the message this evening. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.